Welcome to MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Lowe. Our guest is Interim Associate Vice President and MTSU Police Chief Kevin Williams. He assumed the position when Buddy Peaster retired in May after 14 years in charge of the force. Chief Williams is retired from the Los Angeles Police Department, departing with the title of Police Lieutenant. He's also worked as a public safety and security consultant and a guest lecturer at numerous academies and institutions. He holds a Bachelor of Arts degree from what was then called Mercy College of Detroit and a Master of Arts degree from the University of Phoenix. He's currently pursuing a Master of Science degree from the University of Michigan Dearborn. We'll talk to Chief Williams after this. Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. The Tennessee Consumer Outlook Index continued its rise into positive territory in June with a score of 20. That's up from 1 in March and well above the negative 58 score last December. This according to the Office of Consumer Research in the Jennings A. Jones College of Business at MTSU. Perceptions of the current economic situation rose dramatically and reached positive territory for the first time in over a year. Yet expectations for the future of the economy and views regarding making large purchases declined. These declines were most noticeable among consumers in West Tennessee. And MTSU has named experienced aviation professor Chaminda S. Prellis as the new chair of its nationally recognized Department of Aerospace. Prellis comes to MTSU from the University of Dubuque in Dubuque, Iowa, where he was most recently the director of aviation programs after also having served as the program's head of academics as well as an assistant and associate professor during his 12 years there. Prellis takes the reins of the MTSU program effective August 1st. He comes to a signature MTSU program that boasts 20 full-time faculty members, 100-plus flight instructors, and more than 1,000 majors, placing it among the largest of the nation's collegiate aviation programs. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com. Chief, thank you for taking the time to be with us. Welcome to MTSU, and thank you for being on MTSU on the Record. Oh, I'm glad to be here. Chief, uh, the statement posted on the police website uh, says your goals include maintaining a safe campus environment, reduction of underage alcohol consumption, increasing community partnerships, and delivering superior public safety services. So what I'd like to do is to start by finding out how you'd like to accomplish each of those goals one at a time. First, maintaining a safe campus environment. The best way to maintain a safe campus environment, from my experience, is to have a very good working relationship with the students, faculty, and staff. Because regardless of the size of the institution, the police department or campus safety department tends to be microscopic in comparison. So with our partners in safety being the students, because that's the majority of people on campus, and then faculty and staff, we ask that if they see something, they say something. And so that's one of the ways to reduce, um, uh, um, to increase safety and reduce crime. We also uh, need to be very visible on campus. I'm talking about foot patrols, bicycle patrols, uh, car patrols, so that a person who is intent upon coming on campus and committing crimes sees hmm, 
they're very active in terms of their patrol, which is not in a specific pattern, but is very unpredictable. When they see that, and they also see an active student body who is very willing to work with campus safety to keep them and everybody else safe, that's how you keep a campus safe. The second goal mentioned reduction of underage alcohol consumption, always a concern on every college campus or most college campuses, I should say. Even on dry campuses, there are people who are drinking. My fear as it relates to alcohol is that it can cause a student or students to be vulnerable to uh, crimes committed against them. And it is a serious issue on many campuses and pretty much every campus I've ever worked on. The issue is alcohol poisoning. Some people may call it an alcohol overdose, but typically every weekend on a campus, there are people partying, drinking, drinking to excess, and that creates vulnerabilities that um, an evil person may choose to take advantage of. So I wanna protect the students. Drinking on campus gonna stop? No, it's not. But what I do is I talk to the fraternities, I talk to the sororities, I ask them to look out for their members because it's not only fraternities and sororities that are having parties, others have parties, but I, I put the, the thought out there. Yes, I am my brother's keeper. Yes, I am my sister's keeper. Because the reality is the police department is not at these parties unless they get called because of something disruptive that has happened. So the best protection against it is information and also asking the students to look out for each other. I happen to be a member of a fraternity. And when I talk to my fraternity members and other uh, men and other fraternities that I don't belong to, I remind them it is our responsibility to look out for our members. And if they see a member who wants to take advantage of someone or who has um, drank alcohol to excess, help that person to make sure that they don't make a life-changing decision or that they don't jeopardize their own health um, or do something that could cause them to be injured because they're unstable because they, they drank alcohol. So we need the students' help on that. We absolutely have to have the students' help and partner with students. Increasing community partnerships. Are you referring in that regard to partnerships with NGOs off campus or are you talking about the relationships between and among different jurisdictions of law enforcement, city, county, state? You know, actually, it has multiple meetings, but the primary meeting, meaning of that, uh, that statement has to do with relationships on campus. Campus safety, law enforcement in general, period. This is not the best of times in terms of the image of law enforcement and the social narrative across the nation. And so it is even more important that we work to develop real relationships on campus. To me, I absolutely believe that campus police must have relationships with students and student groups. It's an absolute imperative that they not see us as the enemy and never as an occupying force, but they see us more uh, working from a guardian mindset as opposed to uh, the warrior mindset that too many law enforcement agencies have engaged in over the decades. 
We're not warriors, we're guardians. And we are here to protect our community and our, the most precious commodity in our community are the students. So we should have real relationships with student leaders and student interactions should be very, very positive because if it isn't, we're going to have an escalation of discourse and distrust and that doesn't serve anybody well with MTSU. And delivering superior safety services. Chief John Thomas at the University of Southern California has a mantra that he, he says all the time. He says, you cannot fake community policing on a college campus because we have so many stakeholders who are engaged across disciplines, across interests on college campuses that you can't work in a silo. You can't write a document and say, okay, we believe in community policing and then put it in a book on the shelf. It doesn't work that way on a college campus. It might be that way in a municipal uh, setting, but not on a college campus. You cannot do the job of law enforcement on a college campus if you don't have relationships. It's impossible. We'll take a break right here. We'll return in just a moment. This is MTSU on the record. The mission of the June Anderson Center for Women and Non-Traditional Students is to provide education, advocacy, direct services, outreach, and programming for the MTSU campus and surrounding community on gender-related issues. The center also assists older students who are trying to balance work, college, and family. It also sponsors a monthly legal clinic, career brown bag series, book club, and a newsletter twice a year. For all of the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. MTSU's Jewish and Holocaust Studies minor offers undergraduate students a chance to study the culture and religion of the Jewish people and the Holocaust in an interdisciplinary program. Studies include history and culture, theology and philosophy, and the arts and social sciences. Courses tackle vital topics central to local and global awareness, including multiculturalism and the meanings of diversity, religious tolerance, and genocide. For the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Our guest is Police Chief Kevin Williams. He uh, assumed that role when Buddy Peaster retired in May after 14 years with the force. He's a veteran of the LAPD and several college police forces. This is not your first college campus police chief's job. You've been chief at Michigan Dearborn and the University of Oregon and commander at Arizona State, but you also spent 20 years with the LAPD. So what is the culture change like for you individually as you have shifted in your career from a major urban area policing environment to a college campus? If I were a security guard working for what used to be called Whack and Hut or some other uh, entity like that, I'd wear a uniform and I'd provide security services. But if I were a member of the Tennessee State Highway Patrol, yes, I'm wearing a uniform, but my job is very, very different than that of a security guard. They both wear uniforms. They both have a role, but their roles are significantly different. It's the same with campus policing and with municipal law enforcement. It's, it's like the difference between the, the, the edges of the Grand Canyon. It's just amazingly different. I was primarily cultured coming up through the LAPD. I was there for 20 years. LAPD adopted a style of law enforcement that was top down. I'm in charge, you're not. That would never work on a college campus. Absolutely wouldn't work. So on college campuses, which is primarily what I've worked for the past decade, everything is collaborative. You cannot work in any uh, facet of the law enforcement 
agency on a college campus that's a silo because there are stakeholders, there are students, there most certainly are vocal faculty, there are administrators, all of which are gonna have a say in how you deliver, deliver services on any particular campus. Whereas in municipal law enforcement, the stakeholders are really the community members, but too often police don't listen to the community members. And then you have the issues that you have going on nationally right now, before George Floyd was murdered and other situations like that, the police weren't listening. That horrific tragedy and murder has been a wake up call for a lot of people. And they said, no more, no more will we allow our local law enforcement not to listen to us. College campus security has been listening for decades. That's the distinction. Is it just establishing or reestablishing good relations between the police and people of color? Or is it a generational situation where young people have become jaded and disbelieving of the police? I, I believe it's both. Uh, I, 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 and, and both are occurring at the same time. And now pretty much everybody's got a cell phone, so they've got a camera and they can record the things that have been rumored or talked about are now out in front. A, a person's cell phone video can be broadcast and become viral in an hour. The climate has changed because people are seeing things that, first of all, they either didn't know about or didn't believe, while others were saying this has been happening for too long. Can you fill us in on the latest in the uh, investigation into the ra racist graffiti that was painted at one of our uh, bus stops? Our investigation is very robust and it is ongoing and we were following quality leads as it relates to that investigation. For those who don't know what happened, a person chose to post some photographs of members of our campus community and they put some vile and pernicious racist comments on those photos. Well, we're following up. We have several leads that we're looking into. I'm hopeful we will be able to solve this case and we have multiple people working on it to attempt to solve the case and bring that person to justice. If uh, a police officer pulls you over, subsequently, just a, a few minutes afterwards, a second officer is likely to show up regardless of, of the nature of, or the, you know, the alleged offense. And I gather that the, this two-person approach or two-officer approach, the, having the backup there, is for everybody's protection, uh, especially the, the officer who pulled you over, because a routine traffic stop just isn't a routine traffic stop anymore. The officer never knows what he or she is going to encounter from the driver he or she has, has pulled over. Is that a relatively recent phenomenon or am I just making too much out of something? You are correct in your assessment of uh, what the reason for it is. Uh, there is no such thing as a routine traffic stop. It can reduce the stress of the officer who's made the initial traffic stop if she or he has a partner officer that's watching for other things. Uh, I have never been a proponent of a one officer, one police officer responding to a radio call or making a traffic stop. When the second officer pulls up, that is for the safety of the officer and also for the safety of the people in the car. We don't know what's in that car. 
We don't know how a person is going to react to being pulled over because a taillight is out or something like that. And so there's a heightened sense of concern. And then lately, I'm seeing so many cars with these blacked out windows, tinted windows that are so dark, it's like a limousine. So you have absolutely no idea what you're approaching. And that's not to say that the majority of traffic stops uh, result in some sort of negative contact. But unfortunately, it does occur, and it's better to have two officers there versus one. But if you see three, four, five police cars coming up, it's a different discussion. There's something going on where that's pretty much gone uh, to a concern that something criminal may have happened, and the officer needs more backup. We'll take another break here. We'll be right back. This is MTSU on the record. The Concrete Industry Management Program at MTSU fills the need for trained personnel who know concrete technology and techniques. Our alumni go into the marketplace grounded in basic math and science and able to promote products or services related to the industry. Our participation in the academic common market ensures talented students in other states a chance to enroll on an in-state tuition basis. This is Dr. Heather Brown, director of the program. To find out more information on this or other university programs, visit mtsunews.com. The Intercultural and Diversity Affairs Center helps to promote awareness and understanding of the wide variety of cultures represented at MTSU. The center provides information, referrals, and resources. Additionally, IDAC tries to make students from different cultures feel welcome and comfortable on campus so they can have every opportunity to fulfill their academic, social, and personal potential. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Chief Kevin Williams is MTSU's police chief and an interim associate vice president. The search is still ongoing for a permanent position. I work for a company that I lovingly call 1-800-DOLLAR-CHIEF. In a nutshell, I work for Dolores Stafford and Associates. Dolores is a retired police chief And she has a cadre of retired police chiefs. I'm retired. Her company receives a call. And it's it's almost like this. $1-800 chief. Uh, Our chief, Buddy Peaster, is leaving us after 14 years. Won't you send us a chief? And then uh, I ended up here. And so I'm here for a finite period of time while the institution does their search. And then when their search is done and they announce their chief, it's more likely than not, that for a couple of weeks, I'll still be here. Your new police chief will be here, wherever she or he may be. And we work together to go through a transition period. And then that chief takes over permanently and I leave. And I go home and wait until the next time I'm called and then I'll, I'll go to a different location. So I've been doing that for the last couple of years. My um, employer does not allow its team members to apply for jobs where we're sent. Uh, I'm barred and cannot compete for a job here at MTSU for five years until I have to separate. And in five years after I separate, I could apply. But it is an ironclad contract. And so, no, I will not be a candidate. Would I apply for this job? Oh, I love it here. Absolutely love it here. There's some good work that can be done here. There's some great people in this police department. There's room for improvement. Everywhere I go, including here, I would love to take on that challenge. But no, I will not be, and I am not a candidate. Can the institution in the meantime benefit from your expertise insofar as the search is concerned? 
the direct answer to the question is yes, because I've served as a chief five times. And so that uh, would result in the Dean of Criminal Justice, who is the chair of the search committee, uh, perhaps us chatting and me sharing with him some of my observations about um, a good fit for the uh, next chief here. And I intend to have that conversation and they can do with that information whatever they choose. So it would be more of an, an uh, sort of an uh, informal professional discussion. Yes, ma'am. I ask this in conjunction with the uh, people of color question because of uh, Black Lives Matter. What approach do you take to handling demonstrations and counter demonstrations on campus? So when I was a police chief at the University of Michigan, there were back-to-back fatal shootings of Black men two days in a row. It made national news, and the Black Student Union was very, very upset, and they announced that they were going to do a march. There was a lot of concern about the possibility of criminal activity, vandalism, breaking windows, arson, those types of things, which has happened in other locations. And I assured the leadership at that institution at the time that I did not believe that that was going to occur because of our police department's relationship with all of the students and particularly the students in the Black Student Union. And and that was from me having gone to their meetings, them being invited to the police department, uh, our officers engaging with students all the time. The relationships were very strong. I did something that was unusual. It was pouring rain that day. And I took an umbrella with me and I went out and I marched with the student. Not all the students had umbrellas. I gave my student, I gave my umbrella to some of the students and I walked in the rain. And then they prayed and they made statements and I stood there and I listened. And people were saying, that's the police chief. That's the police. I can't believe he's here. I wasn't in uniform. I didn't, ha- I didn't say anything. I just listened. And so then they marched to the president, what well, we call the chancellor. They marched to the chancellor's office to give him their list of concerns. I was there. Again, I didn't say anything, but the students knew who I was. That didn't happen overnight. It happened because I had very deep relationships with the students. So there was no violence, no threats, no vandalism, nothing. I can't say that I came up with that idea. I saw that happen in Ferguson after things just went sideways. The governor of the state pulled a member of the state police who was a captain and sent him to Ferguson to fix things. And he marched with the people who were very upset. He marched right with them. And I said, that's smart. And, And he said when he was interviewed, I feel comfortable here because they know me. I've got deep roots in this community and they know me. And I said, I'm gonna make sure that wherever I go, they know me, they know my department, and they know where we stand, and they know we're not the enemy. So that's just one example of what I've done previously um, to help keep things from exploring. You've been here such a a brief time, but in in the the time that you've spent uh, going to different parts of campus, are, are there any particular areas of campus you've noticed where lighting could be improved or more call boxes would be helpful? Well, what a great question. One of the things that I implement at every school I go to is a safety walk that tends to be at the beginning of fall where it starts to get dark earlier 
And myself, I always go on the safety walk. I don't delegate that. We partner with students. We partner with leadership from housing. We partner with facilities at every campus I've worked at. And we walk the campus. And we have a scribe who takes notes. And if there's a broken, like a broken sidewalk, a trip hazard, lighting is another example, uh, darker areas, uh, call boxes, all of those things. That's what we do to walk the campus, to get things from multiple perspectives. We invite a faculty member, uh, but we always have student leadership, always have student leadership there. And we go wherever the students want to go and we document these things and then we report them up and start to fix those issues. So that has not happened here yet because I just got here, but I'm scheduled to be here until October 8th. Where do you live in between dial chief positions? <laughs> Eugene, Oregon, home of the Ducks, which is the first place that I became a chief and most recently Las Vegas. Is your wife down here with you or do you have sort of a commuter marriage or how do you work that out? I, I married a really, really, really nice Canadian girl 38 years ago and she moved. She migrated to the United States when we got married and started working for the federal government. And so she was an executive within the federal government and she was traveling all over the country and domiciled wherever they told her. People ask me, well, how can you do that where you're living apart from your wife? We have these great people in the United States who are military employees, veterans who are serving this country and doing such a great job to keep us safe. They do the same thing. And if we can expect that of our military, then I can certainly do it um, based upon my love for campus law enforcement, because I honestly don't know where I'm going next. My last job was in Seattle. And then I had a week's notice that I was coming here to Tennessee. And then before that, my job was in New Hampshire. I didn't know anybody in New Hampshire, but I have a very understanding and very strong wife who understands what this job entails. Now, fortunately for me, she's coming here and she's going to stay with me for five weeks and then she's going to go back home. Uh, thank you, Chief Kevin Williams, for answering our questions and for being our guest today on MTSU On the Record. We hope you enjoy your time here in Tennessee. I am certain that I will. And I got to tell you, the hospitality has been outstanding. I, I consider it an honor to serve here during this period. We'll be right back. Tennessee's farm families contribute to our state's economy, nutrition, and culture. The Tennessee Century Farms Program at MTSU's Center for Historic Preservation acknowledges farms that have been in the same family at least 100 years. To date, the program has certified more than 1,500 farms. There is no cost to nominate a farm or be part of the program. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The MTSU Department of Art has the newest facility for visual arts in the state with approximately 50,000 square feet of space, including high-tech computers and computer-driven equipment for multimedia, graphic design, printmaking, sculpture, painting, and ceramics. We feature a visiting artist lecture program and an exhibition program that exposes students to work by national and international artists. To find out more, visit mtsunews.com. Gina Fan has the middle moment. MTSU journalism professor Leon Allagood recently returned from his eighth summer road trip class, a feature writing course, this time to the Bristol, Tennessee area. 
then immersed a handful of students into a community for a few weeks to let them find and tell the stories that aren't trending on social media. For most, it was the first time they'd met a source for a story in person, much less met a deadline. Their light bulb moments on these trips are why the veteran journalist is still teaching this way. Journalism has always been an eyeball-to-eyeball business, and I don't see that changing. The idea that all you need is your phone and desk, that you can find a story anywhere. Yeah, a good reporter can, but a good reporter is one who's also worn out a lot of shoe leather doing the the real kind of reporting, getting out on the streets and knocking on doors. They need that experience. That's MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue. Thanks for listening. MTSU on the Record, a news and information program about Middle Tennessee State University is produced by the university's marketing and communications office, which is solely responsible for its content. Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.